welcome to another episode of our OECD Education Podcast, Top Class. I'm Marilyn, editor at the OECD's Directorate for Education and Skills. Another International Women's Day, another story about girls and women not realizing their potential, this time in digital savoir-faire. To quote an American baseball legend, it feels like deja vu all over again. With me today to talk about something that is known as the digital gender gap are Francesca Borganovi, senior analyst, and Luca Marcolin, economist, both at the OECD. I hate to admit it, guys, but I'm beginning to get discouraged. Girls don't enroll in STEM studies, even when they do just as well as boys in math and science. Women hit glass ceilings in the workforce, especially in the tech industries. There's even a gender gap, apparently, in internet use. And I thought the internet was supposed to be the great democratizer. So, Francesca, Luca, what is going on? Well, I, thank you very much for having me today. Uh, I do think that uh, we all thought that uh, computerization and uh, the automation uh, uh, that result from uh, digital technologies uh, uh, would reshape the opportunities for women to access the labor market and excel in the labor market uh, by reshaping the skills uh, that are awarded. Uh, but at the same time, we do see that some of the long-standing factors uh, that prevented many women before to enter and succeed uh, in uh, science, technology, engineering uh, and mathematics uh, uh, fields of study and occupation are actually injuring uh, their progress uh, precisely in the set of skills uh, that are uh, most important uh, in uh, the labor markets of the 21st century. Like what's, what kind of skills are you talking about? I'm thinking uh, very specifically about uh, problem-solving abilities uh, and digital literacy. Uh, what we do know from the Programme for International Student Assessment study that was conducted in 2012 uh, and assessed uh, students' proficiency in complex problem solving in digital platforms uh, is that girls uh, at the age of 15 uh, tend to lag behind boys of the same age uh, in complex problem solving. In other words, uh, working on problems uh, that uh, uh, require individuals uh, to engage in uh, fast-paced uh, decision-making and to react to dynamically changing problem situations that require individuals, for example, to rely on their intuition and, in a sense, integrate information from complex environments in a digital format. Uh, we do know that there are uh, big differences in terms of uh, uh, spatial abilities. Uh, it is uh, a, a question that uh, uh, psychologists and education specialists uh, are examining in terms of uh, trying to find the root causes, uh, whether for example, they are linked to different patterns of play to, to try and identify some of the factors that may contribute to, to such gaps. And it has been shown that, for example, engaging in video gaming can reduce some of the gender gaps. So these are definitely not stable. And what the PISA study has revealed is that they differ greatly across countries. So even if there is a gap in favor of boys in some of these skills, uh, the, the, the size of 
the gap uh, differs greatly across countries uh, and it's actually not that large and it can be bridged. Uh, so the issue is to what extent uh, education systems uh, but also societies and educators uh, are actually contributing rather than helping uh, to close uh, such gaps and yeah. that's the question we need to ask ourselves. And Luca, do you find even uh, in the in the adult world, in in uh, in the economy itself, that this is being played out. Uh, that, that once girls sort of begin, either either stepping back themselves or being prevented from continuing in the in the sphere, that it just it just basically the gap widens and widens. And yeah, sure. So uh, thank you, thank you for having uh, uh, for having me here today. In particular, to to bring the perspective of a different directorate, mm -hmm. uh, the Science, Technology, and Innovation Directorate. Yes, definitely. So I, I could not agree more with uh, with Francesca. Uh, so the um, the uh, distinctions between the the gaps that we see uh, already evident in young uh, in young uh, people are reflected in the labor market later on. I mean, so uh, in one of our our latest studies, uh, uh, it's called Skills in the, in the Digital Era. We use the survey at, of adult skills uh, uh, that is an, an internal product, uh, product uh, a data set constructed here at, at the OECD. Uh, we actually examine uh, six uh, task-based skills, so six, six skills of adults, which are based on the tasks they uh, perform on the job and the, the literacy and numeracy proficiency of adults, and we e examine uh, this uh, between uh, like we, we created uh, a distinction between workers who are employed in digital intensive sectors and and workers in uh, employed in less digital intensive sectors and we actually try to assess which which of these eight skills are in highest demand uh, in uh, uh, in the respective segments of the economy uh, we actually find uh, uh, well when every other observable characteristics of individuals is taken into account. So we, um, we find actually that some skills are especially rewarded in digital intensive sectors and not in less digital intensive sectors. And these are uh, self-organization, uh, management and communication skills, and advanced numeracy, or what we used to call uh, STEM skills. Now, uh, this is of course the reflection of the fact that the digital economy likely requires more decentralized way of working more it's continuously changing so it requires continuous adaptability on uh, for for workers uh, it implies less routine work etc now relevantly for the question here we also find that this uh, three uh, skills which are in highest demand in digital intensive sectors are also those are also displayed more frequently by men than by women but I was just going to I was just going to say the opposite because are yeah. women better known as being better communicated communicators, better working with teams and, and, and all that. Right. So, so like, first of all, it's all conditional on, on women that are at work, right? I mean, so, and, and second of all, we also uh, sort of, uh, this may be true on, on the general, uh, like when we look at women uh, in, 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 when we test women for their, for these abilities themselves, but perhaps there are other factors that contribute 
to their better ability, better uh, endowment in social, and say, in social skills, which we actually take into account in our analysis. So we we say this independently on the woman's uh, sector of um, men's and um, men's and women's uh, sector of employment, occupation of employment, uh, attainment in tertiary education, uh, age, experience on the work, etc. So while this may be true on the po population of women, even at work, uh, more in generally. We are really trying to compare men and women at the same stage of uh, professional, of professional uh, and educational attainment. Well, I mean, on the collaborative aspect, uh, what we do know in terms of uh, the skill displayed uh, by the not yet workers, uh, in other words, uh, 15 year olds uh, in 2015 who will be workers uh, down the line, is that uh, girls uh, tend to perform considerably better than boys in collaborative problem solving skills. In other words, uh, in uh, aspects of goal oriented uh, uh, collaboration uh, to solve uh, specific tasks. Then the issue remains uh, to what extent they're able and uh, given the opportunity uh, to put the skills uh, to use. One of the things that we do know is that uh, differences in achievement uh, and differences in skills and potential tell only a small part, uh, if any, uh, of the entire story as to why uh, men and women are not equally likely to enter STEM occupations and eventually succeed uh, in these occupations. Uh, what we do know is that stereotypes, uh, for better or for worse, uh, are still alive and kicking. Uh, the mothers and fathers of 15-year-old boys and girls uh, are not equally likely to expect their sons and their daughters, for example, to enter a STEM occupation, even when their son and daughters have similar levels of achievement in mathematics and science, for example. They tend to overestimate the possibilities for boys to enter such occupations. We know that teachers often hold stereotypes, but we also know that students themselves with girls, for example, underestimating uh, their mathematics uh, abilities and overestimating the abilities uh, in mathematics that are required uh, to succeed uh, in a job. But do you, do you think that the girls are doing that? I mean, where does that come from? I mean, does that come from actually their families and their teachers who are kind of subtly and maybe not so subtly giving them certain gender stereotype messages about where they should be where they should be aiming, what they should be thinking about themselves for in their future. Uh, if it's a combination of, uh, uh, of factors and definitely there is a contribution uh, on the part of the education system, both in terms of uh, being part of the problem, but also being part uh, of the solution. There are a number of studies, for example, that show that uh, the variation across countries in the size of the gender gap in mathematics achievement uh, is associated with the level of uh, gender inequality in a society. In other words, uh, the opportunities for when men and women to participate in the labor market and to be part uh, of uh, political decision makers. Uh, so what happens is that the gender gap uh, in favor of males uh, is considerably stronger in countries uh, that are less gender equal as societies overall. Mm. 
Yeah, so so by all means, uh, I didn't want to attribute the sort of the entirety of uh, like uh, gender disparities to the disparities in skills. Absolutely, in in our own uh, study, uh, we also find uh, that there is a large unexplained component, say, of the uh, gender wage gap. Um, once again, not explainable by the observative characteristics that we take into account. So, and that definitely speaks about uh, uh, the uh, discrimination or self say, self selection of women. In certain, in certain occupations as well. So, so um, I didn't want to give the, the wrong idea here. Uh, and it, uh, I, it's definitely the case that um, so segreg so like uh, stereotypes are alive and kicking, as Francesca has has mentioned. So, so um, it has a, like a, it, 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 they are so alive. Uh, even in the digital economy as we think we know it nowadays. For instance, uh, like last year, a study on, on Uber drivers, often we bring forward Uber drivers as a good example, like Uber is a good example of a, uh, the potential for, of the digital economy to uh, bridge the gen gender divides because indeed the proportion of uh, Uber drivers who are female is, is considerably larger than the proportion of taxi drivers who are female. Mm -hmm. But then what you, what you this, this study by Cook, Diamond and Hall show is that uh, the wage gender gap is still there even in even uh, among uh, Uber, drivers? Uber drivers and it's about 7%. And this is entirely explainable by preferences of drivers on uh, the areas where they want to take their rides, the experience they have with the platform, the Uber platform, and their preferences on, on speed, right? And, and for instance, not their preferences on hours uh, of work, right? Like working during the night versus working during the day. So what, um, so of course, the digital economy has huge potential to solve, uh, uh, to solve gender disparities, but it's not a panacea for everything. And here, the study exactly shows that the gig economy can still sustain gender, discrimina gender discrimination. discrimination, right? That's very disappointing isn't it yeah well on, on the other hand you know I mean it's it's it, it, it needs not be only an, a negative story and like a, the, the technology itself has the potential like a like a wider spreading of the technology itself has the potential to, to turn the table and here we should should be talking about why uh, or at least I think one interesting question is why is the divide in digital access uh, uh, still so pronounced it is indeed the case as you were mentioning in the introduction that uh, so like uh, much fewer women have uh, access to the internet now relative. why is that well uh, so there so of course it's a very it's a very complex uh, a very complex phenomenon like uh, aside for of course uh, cultural preferences uh, in for, for in some countries use of technology has always been uh, the domain of of men and hence having women that try to access it is badly considered but uh, aside for that which is it is especially thorny to to approach we can talk about simply uh, lack of funding so like uh, lack, of what, lack of funding lack of lack of, lack of resources so the worldwide Beth foundation in 2017 released their uh, women's right online report that says that um, like in which they interview women and and they report that the two most important concerns for women in accessing the internet is that they cannot afford it 
or it's too expensive to do so. I mean, this is of course uh, like a worldwide study, so it, there's it, there's probably like a developing countries versus developed country component, but nevertheless, the evidence is there. Right? Which seems which seems again to underscore that that at root we're talking about problems with social norms that. You know, if women are finding this difficult to access financially, let's say, is it because that women are paid less and so ergo these problems or women are, are not allowed to, in their culture, uh, be at the same level as men in... in uh... I think this actually underscores also the importance of strong institutional frameworks and regulation. Uh, another reason uh, why women oftentimes uh, do not access the internet uh, is that it's either perceived or it's actually not a safe place uh, for them uh, to engage with. Uh, what we do know is that uh, uh, girls, uh, even in the PISA study, tend to access the internet uh, a bit uh, later than boys do, even in uh, highly developed countries. Uh, probably this reflects uh, a perception on the part of parents uh, that the internet is uh, not as safe for girls to engage in as it is for boys. Uh, that means uh, uh, rather than keeping girls uh, away from the internet and being able to acquire the skills uh, that will enable them to be expert consumers and possibly producers uh, of digital content, uh, the issue is making sure that the internet is a safe place for them uh, to engage with uh, and actually that uh, adult women contribute more in terms of content uh, so that uh, they can actually help to create uh, a space uh, that is more female friendly. And that, that brings me to a question. Now that we have increasing numbers of women who have been brought up in the internet age and in the digital age and who are <laughs> trying to make an inroads into the tech uh, tech industry will that will that eventually kind of trickle down to to younger female users who then may be more encouraged to participate who may be more encouraged to pursue stem studies or is or are we going to be sitting here in another five years in International Women's Day talking about the same problem well, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to the last part of your question. Uh, so um, it's certainly it's certainly it's the case that uh, things uh, like um, things at work or in the science world and in the tech industry are changing. Although of course equality is still uh, pretty much uh, uh, like uh, far away. So um, so in our in like the OECD has collaborated uh, has produced a report uh, to the G20 uh, last year called Empowering Women in the Digital Age, where we report a number of uh, pieces of statistics uh, where we see how like uh, access uh, or participation of women to uh, say science or uh, the innovate the, the production of innovation in the form of, of patents is still lagging behind but at the same time how this is uh, a growing uh, in some of the dimensions at a faster pace than the general population so so definitely and in particular I'm referring I'm referring to patents um, so the patent that are uh, filed by teams that are composed of a at least uh, one woman, uh, which is not so obvious. Actually, in 2000 and I think uh, uh, 15, still 80% of patents were filed by teams of, of inventors who are 
exclusively exclusively uh, men. men yeah 80% and right. this was this was how long ago 2015 just 3 years ago four yeah years but ago. so 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 like, i i want to for once try to to portray a positive picture right i mean so <laughs> we so actually like to end on a positive if note, if, if, yes. if you if you take a pat, like the growth of patents filed from 94 1994 Inventor is present are is way faster than than the average uh, patent, and it's actually uh, faster uh, in in ICT uh, uh, in the ICT technology field than in the uh, remain in, in sorry than other patents in in ICT uh, in the ICT That's field. Interesting. Yeah, so this is this is a very good sign. But then of course I think we. We all recognize that there is a role for the so-called glass ceiling in stimulating uh, uh, work, like uh, workers to engage in STEM occupations, workers and students in, in engaging in STEM education and staying uh, occupations later on in the labor market. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a success story for uh, education systems is that uh, nowadays uh, the the main message is that uh, there is gender parity, for example, in terms of science achievement and the gender gap in mathematics uh, when there is, is actually small and it has closed uh, in a number of countries. So gender gap in uh, science and mathematics uh, is not uh, destiny. It can be closed and it has been closed. Uh, uh, the problem remains in terms of how this translates uh, in occupational preferences uh, and eventually in entrance uh, in specific fields. Uh, in PISA 2015, students were asked to which extent they expected to work uh, uh, in different uh, fields uh, by the age uh, of 30. And while 4.8% 4, 4 of boys on average across the OECD expected to work in ICT uh, occupations, uh, only 0.4% uh, uh, of girls uh, expected the same. Uh, this is obviously a problem uh, in terms of uh, the extent to which uh, A, these expectations will in fact uh, be realized, but also in terms of uh, the effort that boys and girls decide to put in their studies. If you do not expect to enter a field, you will not put effort into coursework and building skills that will enable you to work in such so fields. So how can we, how can we uh, encourage girls? Can we encourage girls? What, what's required here? Um, I mean, the tech industry is, is well known, is notorious for being hostile to women. Right, so, so, so I, I think that there are some uh, perhaps le more bottom-up approaches uh, which are perhaps uh, not so invasive, uh, such as uh, stimulating companies to produce voluntary targets for their, for their female participation, especially in top, in top uh, positions. Uh, uh, there have been already uh, initiatives to break the grass ceilings in terms of creating quotas. So forcing uh, like, uh, um, companies as well as public institutions to um, uh, put enough a certain proportion a certain number of women a certain proportion of women in board of directors in higher uh, uh, layers of the hierarchy now this is not 
uh, this is not neutral, right? So uh, very recent evidence for Norway and actually for Italy as well has shown that, of course, these, uh, uh, these uh, mandatory quotas increase the number of women that are in board of directors, but they are not necessarily very good uh, at uh, um, increasing the number of women in other top positions or mm. in other positions mm. overall in the same companies. Yeah, however, the what they can work for is actually changing the incentive structure or the expected benefits uh, for the next generation. Uh, so in other words, uh, young girls can see role models they can model themselves onto and actually may have an added advantage when uh, trying to pursue those careers. Uh, uh, I do think that uh, what the education system can do is actually provide uh, uh, career guidance, uh, uh, much stronger career guidance uh, that is very much tailored at fighting stereotypes. Uh, so working with teachers, working with families, uh, but also we working with students uh, uh, to change stereotypes. We know that stereotypes uh, are not immutable. Uh, the stereotype uh, in the 60s uh, was that programmers uh, were women, that females were inherently better at coding because they were notoriously detail-oriented, conscientious, and very perseverant. The stereotype of programmers these days is actually very much fitting the nerd kind of young man rather than the detail-oriented woman. So stereotypes can and do change, and working with schools, but also society more widely involving companies as well a civic society can actually bear the promise of making sure that women reap the benefits of digital transformations. So, so Luca, how, how can we turn things around then? So it's, it's, it's quite clear that uh, so access to digital technologies, provided that it's uh, equitable across, uh, across genders, um, can also imply access to more knowledge, uh, potentially access to uh, training that then can help uh, women as much as men, of course, uh, um, and move forward. While we do have evidence, for instance, nowadays, uh, uh, training is supplied uh, more frequently to men than, than to women. So the the, the access to digital technology to, to um, uh, distance learning to more flexible work arrangements once the woman is at work uh, can favor uh, like the development of certain competencies as much as the growth in the career of women. So, uh, of course, now the question, uh, the question remains, how do you provide equitable access to digital right. technologies? And, and we, uh, so, so in this sense, uh, there is plenty that, the, the, uh, that governments can do. They can provide uh, specific funding for, for women that are targeting women. They can uh, influence the behavior of the banking sector for instance, which has been shown to be uh, notoriously biased uh, towards funding uh, men entrepreneurs versus women entrepreneurs. Um, and that's mostly because, well, I mean, no, I can't really create a, causa a causality link, but it certainly uh, contributing factor to this is that uh, most people who are evaluating projects uh, to, uh, to be funded uh, are uh, men and they do and not and not women. So there is a certain production, there's a certain uh, love for the similar uh, rather than the dissimilar. <laughs> well, I think uh, we'll end this on this somewhat 
optimistic note. I, I desperately want to be optimistic about this. Um, thank you very much again, Luca and Francesca, for your, uh, for your thoughts on all of this. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please don't forget to check out our Twitter page, which can be found at OECD Edu Skills, as well as our OECD Education Today blog. Thank you again for listening, and see you next time.